The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thanks so much for tuning in to AM Live. And of course, it's time now for the Forum at 8. The South African Post Office is spring cleaning. Now, the Post Office uh, CEO, Mark Barnes, uh, says that the entity is making gradual progress and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but many of our listeners have written in and complained about various things. So, uh, Mark Barnes, we hope, will be able to give us answers to this and uh, also give us a better picture of what the state of affairs is like at the Post Office office currently. Uh, Mr. Mark Barnes, uh, South African Post Office CEO, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Well, thanks for your interest. It's another nice spring morning. I must say, I was really surprised, you know, at the number of emails and uh, other messages and other platforms we received about the post office. Unfortunately, none of them were good. Uh, But, you know, the interest all the same for me was quite surprising. So, if we just look at that picture, how many people in South Africa would you say are dependent on the post office to get their mail and do their business on a daily basis? Well, let me first respond to all the negative comments you get. It's, it's, it's most like people to complain rather than give accolades, but it's also to be expected. Now, the post office is not operating at, at full capacity or functioning in its, in its proper form as yet. But what I'm intrigued about uh, in, in terms of the complaints is that they are expecting more from us than they ever did. And we're going to try and deliver into that promise. Uh, but to answer your question, um, there, we've got something like 50 million registered addresses at the post office. That doesn't mean that involves 50 million people. That's all addresses across corporates. Some people have multiple addresses. But we have the most uh, people's addresses uh, out of any corporate entity in South Africa. So we're a, we're a vital central service. And I would argue that we're the touch point for most of rural South Africa. We're the first intersection with the formal economy uh, for, for most of rural South Africa, for most of our people. And that's why it's so critical to get it right, and that's why it does impact on so many people, and that's why so many people would like it to work. No one more than me. And just looking at, uh, you know, the woes that the post office uh, had been making the headlines over, how would you uh, characterize the position that you find yourself in right now? You know, there were the labor issues, uh, there were profitability issues. How would you characterize that situation right now? Okay. I'll just take a couple of steps back. I mean, the first big picture issue that we needed to dealt with is that we needed funding. I mean, the post office was in a deep hole. Um, We owed credit to something like 900 million. We had years and years of unresolved labor disputes and broken promises, and we were losing money at the rate of about 125 million rand a month. That's what I got when I got there. So we had to start with the big stuff first. We had to convince the bankers and the South African Treasury, that there was a valid business case to be made. And I can get into that if you like. But uh, So the first thing we needed to do was raise sufficient capital, and we could only do that with the backing of government, which we were able to secure, and then we were able to get the banks to participate in. I need to point out that banks nowadays don't just lend against government guarantees. They need to know that there's a valid business case, and I think we presented one. That was issue number one. Second issue was we had a very uh, you know, irregular and... Uh, unpredictable labor force and and workforce. And I think that there was reason behind that as well. Over many years, uh, labor and the union movements um, uh, had been misled, I guess is the kind word to describe it, by the leadership in the post office. Promises were made that were not delivered into. Uh, we had lots and lots of casual labor. We had a decade of labor brokers 
which was nothing more than a you know, than theft, to be honest. Uh, commissions being paid to labour brokers, which resulted in overstaffing and yet underpayment of fellow workers. So we had to equalise equal pay for equal work. We had to get casual labour to become permanent labour so that they had security in their jobs and so on. And so we took some time and a lot of money to address that problem. And that, that deal was signed uh, some weeks ago now. And then finally, you know, when we look towards the, the, the future model of the post office, the old-fashioned mail-only, post-only post office is not going to be the relevant organization of tomorrow. The relevant organizations of tomorrow that are in the postal world use their infrastructure and footprint to deliver e-commerce, to provide financial services, and, of course, to continue to provide mail in its ever-changing, somewhat electronic form even. And so we found that all of there. If you marry all of those circumstances to the workforce that was present there, the 20,000-odd people that work at the post office, you find a very trampled-on workforce, a very discouraged workforce, a workforce that has become downtrodden by failure. And I guess now that we've solved raising the capital, which we have, now that we've dealt with the labor issue and now that we've made final progress on uh, the next step towards getting a banking license, it's, it's now where the, the rubber hits the road, so to speak. We're now talking about people. We're now talking about work ethic. We're talking about the culture of the organization. And we're getting people who have got used to being a failure to start thinking about being a success. And that's a long journey, but it's a very fruitful one. I've got to tell you this. You know, the, the, the journey towards the post office's success starts at the bottom of the organization, not at the top. It starts with people believing that incrementally they can do a little bit better tomorrow than they were doing yesterday by just applying their skills. And the promise that I have to deliver to them in order to keep them on that path is the prospect of economic dignity, the prospect of a fair wage for a fair day's work. And we're starting to get there, but uh, the tunnel is long, although there is light at the end of it. And I think it, it does take time. It takes more time than people would like it to take. But I think you'll find now that as you start making inquiries into your parcel and you give us the information, you, you'll find that we're starting to find things we, and we're starting to deliver things. You'll find on my desk now, on my cell phone, uh, I'm not just getting complaints. I'm getting some accolades. I'm getting some success stories. And we are starting to deliver. And as far as your creditors go, the last time we spoke, um, you were quite concerned that that was impacting negatively on uh, the functionality of the post office. How have you fared on that score? Yeah. Well, you know, it it impacts totally on the post office. So if you think about uh, your supply chain as the arteries that feed the body, our arteries were all blocked. So, you know, you'd get a parcel arrive at our timber and it would stay there because the, we hadn't paid the, the people that transported from there to other distribution centers. You'd find that, uh, you know, uh, something that was on a truck, but the truck wasn't moving because we hadn't settled that payment. And so throughout our organization, we hadn't paid for paper. So you would have gone into a post office and tried to get your motor vehicle license receipt printed, but we would have run out of ink and we would have run out of paper. It was that bad. And that's for not paying suppliers. Now, when you don't pay suppliers, the, the, the heartbeat of the organization eventually comes to a standstill because they stop supplying you. They, they, they stop locking up post offices where we didn't pay the rent. And so I found ourselves 900-odd million in arrears, which is a lot of money uh, for creditors. Now, we've settled all the long-dated creditors uh, across the board, some, you know, all the 90 days, 120 days, more or less. And we are in discussion, and we have the money now 
to settle all of our outstanding creditors and to get the organizational functional again. And once that happens, something that previously maybe took two or three weeks will now start taking the couple of days or whatever it is that is normal for delivery. The post office is not incompetent. post office hasn't stopped working. Uh, but it's supply chain. It's, you know, the flow of goods within the post office infrastructure came to a halt because we hadn't paid the people outside the post office to deliver that. And so it became quite critical to sort them, and we're on our way to doing that. We have raised the money. We've got the money in the bank, uh, and we're in discussions with all of the creditors, and we'll settle them all. Well, if you've just joined us, we're in conversation this morning uh, with the South African Post Office CEO, Mark Barnes. Um, Mark, let me uh, read a few messages that came through. Uh, the first one we got that really sort of opened the floodgates um, was from Tricia. And Tricia, uh, this is in part what her email says. She says... Um, our Dobsonville post office is closed. We've been referred to Midlands post office, and whenever we are there to collect our post, we are told they have not sorted it. And true, we were not informed, but uh, can they do this? Uh, we have post boxes. They could have put them in uh, the, the notices in there. Please, can you, um, if you may, find the powers uh, that be to explain this? Um, because, and she was not the only one. We had a few then from the same post office, and a number of other people talking about post offices in their areas being closed. So what's the situation yeah. around that? Okay. Well, it's a sore point, and I, I feel terrible about it, Dobsonville particularly. Um, the situation was there that essentially we hadn't paid our rent for long enough for the, the landlord to lock us out, you know, and, you know, evict us. And we had to move to Midlands. Uh, and I'm not, I don't want to make any promises except to say that I've opened discussions uh, and the head of our retail outlets is in discussion with the landlord to see if we can reinstate that. But for the time being, um, we, were, we were essentially forced to leave there. <clears throat> and that's happened on any number of uh, uh, locations, ranging from Bryanston to Dobsonville to other places. And we apologize for the inconvenience that we've caused to people. But it was just because we hadn't paid our rent. Now, um, that situation no longer prevails. There are still some post offices where we're settling outstanding rental obligations. But let me say this. It is not our proactive intention to close any post offices. We have, uh, for two reasons. One, we have a, 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 service, a service obligation in terms of our function as the post office, in terms of the Act, uh, which requires us to have a certain presence in the rural area. So we are obliged to have post offices in certain places. But beyond that, actually, our footprint, our infrastructure, our reach to the rural people of South Africa is our whole strategy. It's our whole strong point. It's our whole differentiating competence. We have four times as many branches as any bank in South Africa. We have points of access that beat any pharmacy if you want to talk about access to chronic medicine. We have the best physical footprint in South Africa by some measure. And so we're looking to protect that. We're looking to enhance it. We're not looking as a strategy to close it down. We, we, we have stopped uh, thinking about whether we should be realizing properties to raise cash. I mean, I'm not saying we'll never sell a property, but it's not part of our strategy to close down or to sell properties. It's part of our strategy to put more goods and services, to put more revenue through our existing infrastructure and outlets, and so uh, to provide that long-forgotten service that the post office used to be able to do. We're going to get back to that. So, yeah, we... We do have some inconveniences that people have suffered. I apologize for that. 
Um, we don't see any more happening, and there are the possibilities that we can reverse some of those move decisions. So some of them, and, and, and I heard you clearly earlier saying you don't want to make promises, uh, but so what is the <clears throat> intent with regard to reopening some of the offices that were closed? You know, it's uh, like the whole post office discussion. It's a question of confidence and trust. So we go back to the landlords now and we say, come on, guys. Uh, let's reopen. I say, you know what? You know, I put up with you guys for months and months and months. You didn't pay your rent. And, you know, some of the people, <clears throat> excuse me, that supply us and that deal with us are businesses in their own rights that can't afford to carry the post office burden of, of, of being an unpaid debtor. Okay? And so we were threatening small businesses by not paying our creditors. Now, those days are behind us. But, you know, you've just got to understand that people don't just take your word for it. You don't pitch up and say, listen, I haven't paid you for nine months. Don't worry, I'll start paying you next month. You know, so we're having to talk about deals. We're having to negotiate whether, you know, there's some upfront payments that we can secure a few months rent in advance. And we're in negotiations with all of these people, as we are in negotiations with the people who intend to be our long-term supplier partners. And so it's a process of rebuilding. And, I, and you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to make small of it. Uh, it's not going to take... It's not going to take just a matter of months. It's going to take 18 months before the post office is fully functional and delivering its promise to the people of South Africa. But uh, we're on our way there, and we're determined to get there. But uh, it's confidence. The same confidence that we're looking for people to have to start posting their letters to us, to start sending their parcels to us. You know, I mean, Mm. we make uh, the bulk of our money in the corporate market, but the retail market is very important to us. Absolutely. Uh, but then, of course, if people are not happy, then it's, it's a hard sell. It becomes very difficult. And I just want to invite callers, uh, if they'd like to join in at this point, uh, can call us on 891 You can also SMS us on 34701 or Twitter, Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And, and just to that point there, uh, Mark, this uh, email came from Pilani and Daba in Bloemfontein, and he says he lives, he lives in Grasslands. My post office is about three kilometers away. It takes 40 days from the date they stamp the mail to reach me. Is this fair? The post office is in Haydadal. No, of course it's not fair. Um, it's totally unusual. I'm not sure exactly what the optimal delivery date is, but it's a couple of days. You know. Um, so the answer is no, it's not fair. And yes, we've got a past to deal with, and I'm sure there are lots and lots of stories like that, you know. Um, and, you know, I mean, some of the deals that we're discussing with the people who use quite a lot of bulk mail with us, we're saying, okay, let's do this together. You know, what are your volumes? Give us your uh, predicted volumes over the next six months. Let's work through that together. Let's make sure we've got the capacity. Let's, let's do it together. As far as individuals are concerned, I can only assure you that we are dealing with a backlog, that we are, we've got a massive backlog of mail. Um, uh, and, you know, it's a bit like the good old story of a stitch in time saves nine. As the thing got worse, it got worse and worse. You know? And as people closed their post boxes because they lost faith in the, in the post office, so uh, the amount of work that goes around a particular piece of mail increases. To return mail to sender takes much more effort than to deliver it in the post box where it's just arrived. So, yes, we've got problems, and, yes, we've got a clogged-up system. And... Uh, but I, I can tell you that I've also had some good stories. I've had stories of uh, people who've had a parcel delivered from Russia that took six days door to door. I've had people that have, think, that have had things delivered the next day. So we are, there, are, there are green shoots, there are branch managers, there are people that have been working for the post office for years and years and years who are starting to put their uniform back on, who are starting to believe they can get it right, and who today are working just a little bit harder than they worked yesterday to try and deliver this. But yeah. 
we're not a high-performance organization, not yet, but we have ambitions to be because I think that the post office is the socio-economic or can be the socio-economic melting point of our new South Africa. It's where everyone can go, where everyone can have a purpose. And I talk particularly with a view to financial services and the role it could play in addressing economic inequality. So the post office is a vital uh, but you know, totally not looked after place for the last decade. It's going to take time to fix. And you know, I ask people, go and post one letter, see how it goes. Go and post another. You'll see the difference. You'll start to see that we're improving. Mike in East London asks, would you invest in Post Bank with the lack of confidence and trust in the post office? Absolutely. I believe Post Bank is essential to solving the unsecured lending problem in South Africa and the small business funding problems and, and opportunities in South Africa. If you look at the uh, private sector cost of capital to go into the unbanked sector, which is a vast piece of our population, we have the highest inequality Gini coefficient in the world. We are the most economically unequal society in the world. And then you ask yourself, how do we solve that? There are two or three elements. The first element is that the cost of your capital, the way you fund yourself, in order to provide loans to other people requires some uh, assistance. It requires uh, you know, a cost of capital which is more aligned to the state's cost of capital than the private sector cost of capital, which is much, much higher. If you're borrowing money to fund your business at 20%, you've got to make loans at 40% because half of them you know, don't perform. And that's exactly what's been the problem with unsecured lending in South Africa is that the rates that people are being charged for these small loans are just not repayable and just not serviceable. The bank, uh, as, as part of the government, as a state-owned enterprise, can start thinking about costs of capital different to that and providing solutions, first point. Second point, we are the touch point, the closest touch point to most of rural South Africa. In fact, I'll tell you this, that the informal economy, the informal economy that you will see if you walk around the Alexander shopping center, if you walk around Newtown at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the vast number of people and the velocity of money, the amount of money that's moving around outside of the formal system of, of South Africa is growing at a much faster rate than the formal economy. Our formal economy, our growth in GDP is projected at something like half a percent. I would venture a guess and say that the, the informal economy is growing 5, 6, 7 percent. Well, if we start banking them, if we start doing money transfers there, if we start talking about a static center, if we start, instead of people taking their post-bank uh, uh, money and, and just transferring it into another bank to service a loan, if we can provide that service, if we can consolidate uh, the peoples of South Africa's financial affairs, some people have five, six, seven funeral policies because they're over-marketed. If we start thinking about that, and if we have the access point, if we have the footprint, if we are just down the road, then surely, surely, uh, you know, we are the place of choice, for example, to start thinking about paying payment of social grants, which are not being done by the post office or by a government entity at the moment. Start talking about paying pension funds. Start talking about the government employee housing system, and so on and so on and so on. A functional post office becomes central to the flow of economics in the vast population of South Africa. And so... I'd have every confidence. In fact, if I, if I had any opportunity to buy that strength, I would find the capital quite easily. Well, um, we're going to uh, take a few <clears throat> calls uh, just before we get to news uh, break there, Mark. Uh, Sandra is calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm phoning from um, Fishuk, Fishuk area. 
Um, the post office is not only about the services provided, it's also the people that are working there. Um, in the area where I use the post office quite often, there's a lot of pensioners and old people. And when I go into the post office to do one or two things, just to see how the staff is interacting with the old people, how they assist them, how they help them. I think they they are absolutely wonderful. So it's not only about posting letters, et cetera, et cetera. It's helping people with services, et cetera. So I can just have a lot of compliments for the staff at the Valleylands um, Post Office in, in Fishhook. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Sandra. There's one bouquet, Mark. Uh, let's hear from Warren Gee, in Stotterheim. <laughs> Good morning, Warren. Thank you. Good morning, listeners. Um, Mr. Barnes, I've been running a business since 1990. I can give my business name, but it's, it's, it's countrywide. I use the post office to market a range of products, okay? Narrow range of products, niche market. I make clothing, and I use my, uh, the post office to send out my brochure, which needs to be sent out because of the way it's structured. I also use the post office to deliver the goods, now, I've been using it since 1990, and over the last year specifically, um, I lost business because branches had closed down. I'll be very specific. Um, there's a crowd in Yobatina. The post office closed. They never got my brochure, okay? And I can go on about it. Now, let's hope, in all seriousness, that this new way of sorting things out can work because my business and I only got 10 people left. I used to have 20, but that wasn't because of the post office not delivering my brochures. Okay, that was other economic factors. However, my I, I rely on the post office because I could go out on emails, but that doesn't work because I physically have fabric that I show people. I try and teach people. And when I started sending my brochure out, it used to be 35 cents a stamp. Now, it's, of course, it's almost four rand a stamp. But that doesn't matter because everything has become more expensive. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. And this morning, uh, we are talking about what's happening at the post office. And uh, many comments coming through, many calls coming through uh, for Mark Barnes. Uh, Mark, let me read a few of those as uh, you also respond uh, to earlier comments and questions. Uh, this one here from Mr. Mtembu says, uh, Sapo CEO uh, sounds like a man with a plan, has his eye on the ball, inspires some confidence, but I wish him well. Uh, Luvuyo says, I'm happy to hear what I'm hearing, SK. Uh, good luck to the CEO. Gumi says, I'm sold. I'm buying a thousand shares of Postbank. Uh, Albert says, Post Office CEO is correct in saying casual workers are now employed on a permanent basis. My sister is now permanent. Uh, Tommy's contribution this morning, the Sapo CEO Mark Barnes uh, sounds inspired, confident and seems to have a plan. I would back him. And then Sigga says, if Mark Barnes can save the post office, there will be hope for South Africa. But I doubt that that's possible under the ANC. Um, Zukani says, I went to apply for my uh, business a post box and I was told they don't have keys in every post office and that this is a national problem. Unati's experience, she says, 
I'm glad our Kailicha Mall post office and promenade branches are never uh, never closed. Uh, they are improving now. I can see life return to the post office and uh, someone who has always used it, especially for business, uh, she can see life returning there. Soul Rebel says, uh, can the CEO trace my parcel of books from the USA, which got lost somehow? Mtata post office, they say they can't find it. Uh, someone else, uh, Zondi Ziega says, please ask Mark, uh, why did they do away with the public internet terminals at the post office? Because it was very useful. And then Levuyo says uh, he's happy with what he's uh, hearing. A revolutionary says uh, the post bank must be fast-tracked and capacitated. All government employee- employees should be paid through that. Uh, Lito Masila says uh, SA government won't achieve any developments as long as our SOEs still rent infrastructure rather than invest in it. And uh, Yozim Mkleli says the government needs to pay grants through the post office at a minimal amount. Beneficiaries should not pay more than 10 rand, for example, for handling. And outside commissar says some staff training, please. I tried to renew my disc and was sent all over for documents, ended up going to the license department. So just a mixed bag there, but some of the comments coming through, Mark. Let me first respond to the businessman that was on earlier before the break. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a typical case of a frustrated and yet very valuable client. I mean, those are the people who need the post office. Uh, you know, we have had complaints of people sending out advertising brochures on specials, and they only get to people after the special has expired. Uh, some of the stories are really quite sad, to be quite honest, you know. Um, but expect some of that to change. And, and we do understand that it's very frustrating and that a lot of businesses depend on us as the central post office for their delivery and advertising medium. And so we're working hard on that. Okay. I mean, uh, there were a couple of other comments uh, uh, that, that, that sort of washed through the system. These are all typical, um, you know, of a clogged-up system that we're busy unclogging at the moment. I think there were, some, there were some compliments, and we thank people for those. We are becoming client-focused now. You know, we're not focused in turn. We are a competitive organization. I think... Oh, sorry, we're in the competitive space, but we're not yet a competitive organization. I think what people haven't thought about in the post office is that we operate in a competitive environment. If we don't deliver your post, someone else is going to do it, but they're going to do it at an seriously higher price than we could afford to do it if we were properly functional. And that's what our job is. We've got a social mandate. We've got a mandate uh, to make you know affordable delivery of post and other functions within the post office. Someone mentioned a terminal. Um, I, we are in discussions with uh, more than one service that could come back into the post office electronically. Uh, we obviously have to think about internet banking if we're going to get back into that world. Um, someone mentioned uh, the use of emails. We already have hybrid mail in terms of which uh, people can email to one another, and we could deliver a physical piece of paper in the post box. You mentioned the locks. Yeah, we ran out of locks because we hadn't paid for the people, but I delivered personally some locks to the Pound Gallery uh, post office last week when we got our first supply of new locks. So you, we should have, and we should have the money to get, every item required at every one of our post offices today through our supply chain management, which is now functional. Things take a little bit of time to order. Once we, we only got the money uh, you know, at the, at the beginning of August, uh, that was available to us. We've ordered things. We have to go through quite strict, uh, you know, PFMA, the Public Finance Management Act regulations on procurement, 
Um, uh, And so things do take a little bit more time than they might take in a free private sector. But most of the stuff is there, and you'll find it finding its way into into the branches. And we will be functional. Well, um, and uh, as for the packages that people still haven't received that they've been waiting for forever and a day? Yeah. You know, I'm reluctant to give my personal email address out here, but... uh, but, uh, you know, if you, if you, two, two points. First of all, we've just launched an app, uh, in the post office. Um, if you go and look it up, which allows you to track your own parcel. Second of all, um, we do find these things for the most part. Um, sometimes, uh, they're stuck in customs or, or other institutions that are beyond our control. But if you, if you send us an email, um, we'll, we'll do our best to find your parcel. What the hell? My, my personal email is mark.barnes at postoffice.co.za. If you're really <laughs> struggling, send me an email. We'll find your parcel for you, man. Okay. Mark.barnes at postoffice.co.za. Wait for it, I will Mark. route it, but, but please be respectful of my time. I will route it to the right people. We will get back to you. Okay. So there you have it, and we'll repeat that later on in the show. Let's take a few more calls. Uh, Jill and Hermanis, good morning to you. Good, good morning, Sakima. Sakima, I've just got a short story. My daughter sent her son a parcel for last Christmas. She posted it in time from, from Cape Town. It never arrived. She got a, a notice from the post office last week to say there was a parcel for her. She went to the post office. It was her parcel finally come back, and they wanted 119 rand to give her back the parcel she paid them to send to Denmark. That, that's outrageous. That, uh... It is outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, you're talking about a period when the post office was completely dysfunctional, which was last year sometime. Yeah. I hope that never happens again. And uh, but At least get we'll her back her parcel. <laughs> she, well, refused, we'll, she refused to pay for it. She says send, everything in it was probably wrong. Ma'am, send me an email. I'll get you back your parcel. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she really wants it now, but it's just an outrageous yeah. It's hers, Jill. <laughs> she you. can have it. Mark will get it back to her. <laughs> Thanks so okay. much for the call, Jill. Uh, David in Graf Renet, good morning to you. Hi, Sakina. Um, Sakina, it, it's, it's, a, it's a real problem when you try and rebuild credibility. There's a, the post office was an age-old institution for many years that, that worked um, and people trusted it. And what really happened to destroy this credibility, as we know, was that those, that incredibly protracted strike that went on for months and months and months. And, you know, the, all over the, the social media, there were images of piles and warehouses full of people's packages and the, 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 the stuff that was precious to them. And not only that, some of that stuff was looted and stolen. And in that process, um, even, even things like Amazon.com refused to send me books because of, of how, how, how bad the reputation of the post office was because they knew there was a chance of it being stolen. And what happened during that time is that people started to look at alternatives um, to the post office. And these alternatives are there in correct, correct companies and in, in using the Internet and using other financial services. So I, I actually thought at, at a time that the post office was, was invariably going to become um, redundant because uh, what happens is that society has a certain tolerance. And as we've seen in, in our local government elections, that tolerance has a limit. And if that, if it, if that limit is exceeded, people just... Uh, move elsewhere and look for for what they know is a better product. So I, I say good luck to Mr. Barnes. He's got a huge uh, job on his hands. But one has to, uh, even the workers at the post office, they need to realize 
that they, they're not irreplaceable. Nobody in society is irreplaceable these days with the amount of information and, and business, the way business evolves. That if you, if, you, if you hold your company to ransom for long enough, eventually you're basically on a path of self-destruction. But uh, good luck to Mr. Barnes, and, and it's getting the credibility back and getting people to, to believe that they send something of value that's going to get there efficiently and on, on time. Well, thank you so much, David. Yes, Let me respond a bit to that. Let me respond to it. I mean, he's exactly right. Uh, we did lose our credibility, and people do make a plan. Uh, humans are resilient, and they find an alternative. But there are some issues that arise out of that. First of all, the alternative comes at a huge cost to the individual. I mean, uh, the amount of uh, courier and parcel and logistics delivery companies that were born out of the incompetence of the post office are many. And the people who eventually went to them in desperation, were prepared to pay any price. And I will be able to demonstrate that the post office can, when it's functionally competitive, deliver at much lower cost than the competitors are doing now because we have an installed, paid-for infrastructure that is irreplicable. No one could replicate the footprint of the post office. So, you know, once we're back and functional, I think you're going to find that we'll offer a competitive product, but of course it's got to arrive intact and on time. And so, you know, I mean, we, we posted a cell phone the other day from Hopetown to another address. It got there intact, on time, untouched. We are starting to experiment with our own systems. We are starting to say to people, give us trash to deliver, and we'll prove to you that we can deliver it. Give us empty envelopes, and we'll show we can do it. Of course, we have to be competitive. We understand that. But I think it's about uh, becoming a winning culture again instead of a losing culture. I mean, people inside the post office lost faith in the post office. And that's one of my big challenges, is to, is to convince people that actually we can get back from that depot. The first step was to level the playing field. So we are now on level ground. Not hard ground, but we are on level ground, and so we can, we, we can move forward. You know, and all of those things were linked to, you talk about the 2014 strike. It nearly crippled the post office. We lost 30% of our revenue. When you lose any business, loses 30% of its revenue, that's typically larger than its total margin. So you go into losses and you start going backwards. And then as you go backwards, you get into more losses. You can pay for less. You can't pay your suppliers. You can't do deals with labor that you should and so on. And the whole thing self-implodes. That's what we found when we got there. Okay? Mm. We've settled labor. For the first time in many, many years, we have a clear-cut deal with labor. Phone them. Ask them. You'll find that we've dealt with that. Okay? And so, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. And so, you know, this confidence building, of course, you know, David, it's, it's, it's right. I hope you get it right. Because it is, the post office is a microcosm of the whole of South Africa. We deal with everyone in South Africa. If we can get the post office functional, we will demonstrate that business, government, and labor can reach accords and can do things together. And I believe we can. Okay, Tuso Musi, I think that answers the first part of your question about the CEO's plan to curb the number of protests. Uh, but I'll come back to the second part of your questions after taking a few calls. Uh, George is in Newcastle. Good morning, George. Yeah, good morning, Sakina. Uh, you see, the, the main cause of uh, uh, post office collapsing was because of uh, the executive from post office eating the money, spending all over because they know government will give them. And, and they disregarded the disgruntled employees who wanted an increase, especially in terms of uh, 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 casualization. So 
I, I feel that uh, uh, he must acknowledge that, that they were the ones because I remember uh, at some point uh, there was a, a strike in one of the big buildings in Centurion. I was there and, and we were complaining complaining that the post office is renting the buildings so that uh, the executives will feel uh, comfort, whereas there were permanent buildings for post offices, just that uh, they were not as beautiful as they were. And secondly, uh, regarding the casualization for employees for more than 10 years, I, uh, that was unethical. It, it took the government to, 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 to make... To, to, to amend the, 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 the Labor Relations Act that uh, all employees doing the same job must be paid the same. So I would like uh, Mr. Barnes to give Telcom an advice because uh, we are entering on the second month of a strike now. And Telcom is following suit what the uh, uh, post office has gone through because uh, they think that uh, they can do as they please to workers because in Telcom, white employees are, are earning more than black employees. And they feel that uh, workers must just go to work and don't worry about uh, uh, racism. So I, I, I wish you can advise Telcom and other employers like Pick and Pay and others who casualize <laughs> the employees for more than 10 years. Okay, George, Thank you. in Newcastle. Let's also just take okay. Hasim Mohammed Nanku, in, uh, who's a businessman. Hasim, good morning. Good morning to you, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Good. I just have one query to, to tell Mr. Marks is that uh, we've been supplying stems to, we, we are in a company called Trolia South Africa, which make uh, uh, rubber stems, you know, for the post office. And we've been uh, sub, uh, supplying stems for a long period of time with the post office, and we haven't been paid since 2014. Now, we've been, I'm not sure whether I could maybe mention the financial director's name online, which we have the post office. I have emails we sent to him, our statements, our invoices, our reconciliations. I've got emails back from him saying that he was, they were looking for where they were going to get funding by December last year to pay our account, and, and I still haven't got payment. Whenever I send emails to him, I don't get responses. I go to, I go to Chase, I send email. Every time I send an email, he wants a statement and a reconciliation. Every month I send him an email to say I'm, I'm looking for payment, I say he tells me I want a statement and a, and a reconciliation. And I, we haven't been paid to, to date uh, for our account at the post office. Thank you, Asim. Yeah. Mark? Let me deal with uh, the second query first and then get back into the more complex first one. Um, on the second query, as I understand it, they asked you to send an invoice. I would regard that as pretty normal, that we would need to reconcile invoices before we make payment. But again, send me the details on my email and I'll look into it. And mm. uh, there's no reason for us not to pay it if we have a valid uh, you know, transaction between, between us. We'll it sounds as he's being brushed off because he's been asked yeah, to do well, this several he, he, times. He, 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 yeah, he won't be brushed off. Send me the email. Okay, he won't be brushed off. I'll we'll repeat that uh, email again at the end of the show, um, yeah. okay. Uh, uh, Hashim. Okay, so then let's get back to the, some of the observation made by the gentleman in the previous call. Yes, it was the fault of executive management. Organizations don't typically fail because of the people that work there who are on the ground doing the job. They fail because of absence of leadership and because of misguided non-economic decisions. And the post office was characterized by many of those over the last four or so years. The move, uh, as you pointed out, for, to EcoPoint from the buildings that we own in Pretoria was absurd as an economic transaction. Okay, And you will have noticed that we've joined the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, in seeking to prosecute uh, the underlying parties in that deal. And we are seeking to have the court declare that lease invalid. So we are moving against the people 
the very people that you say were extracting capital out of the post office. We're aware of those. And I think that we've put in place now in the last six months when I've been there, we've put in place checkpoints and mechanisms to ensure, for example, that everything we do is done at the fair market price. That way you avoid any leakage in the system. You avoid opportunity for corruption. And so there are checks and balances which are in place now, which I'd argue weren't fully functional when we got there. Okay. But you're right, the mistakes were at the top. Uh, and the absence of leadership and the exploitation was self-evident and the, and the broken promises. And some of the principles that we've established, let's just talk about the labor situation. We have a deal between uh, management and labor that we will always tell each other the truth. You break that promise, you don't have a seat at the table, first point. Second point, we have an understanding that we have common interest. Members of unions, employees of SAPA, they are the same people. And if you want to sit and talk to me about their improved economic prospects, sit and talk. If you want to talk about who's going to win the fight or who's going to have a victory out of a confrontation, we have little to talk about. We need to only talk about – we need to cross the divide between business and labor as much as we need to cross the divide between business and government in South Africa. If we do not form partnerships of common cause, this country will not prosper and will therefore, without economic prosperity, will not be able to afford the economic transformation it so vitally needs to survive. So you know, the, the issues that that, that gentleman raised uh, are at the heart of what we're trying to do at the post office. You talked about racism. We don't have racism at the post office. We haven't got time for that. Okay, we've got bigger things to do. We've got a business to build. We've got common cause. We've got common challenges. Uh, and so I think that uh, as you walk around the post office, which I have done, I've walked around into our mailing centers, into our branches, and talked to people. People inside the post office wanted to work. We do have hope. Well, let's hear from Anne in El Guatini. Good morning, Anne. Hello, Anne. Okay, let's go to uh, Mamuyeti in Kwakwa. Good morning. Sakina, good morning to Mark. Yes. Morning. Sakina, I was um, an occupational health nurse at the post office. Obviously, I was a casual employee, professional as I, as I am, and highly qualified as I am. The conditions were appalling, if I may put it that way. Sakina, you imagine you are one occupational health nurse. You are providing service for the whole of the Free State, for the whole of the Northern Cape, for the whole of Northwest, using your car. I mean, you know, it, it, it does just not make sense, but because I was desperate, as I am still desperate even now, I, I took the job. But I must say, I was not made aware that I was going to use my car, but anyway, I used my car. I was... Um, compensated for using my car, but obviously the wear and tear, I was not compensated for it. Why I say the conditions, I enjoyed my work. I enjoyed working at the post office, but I was from public service. I was known in most of the public institutions. I only hope Dr. Mzualedi does not hear me. Uh, I used to go from one place to the other asking for the equipment that I was going to use to test for HIV, to test for sugar, to test for whatever, in the public service that is already depleted. Like I say, I enjoyed my work, but uh, I was not provided with, um, with the equipment I was, but very little. When it came to, st- to statistics, my boss wanted quantity. Qu- 
punctuality was not an issue. You know, then I, I had to resign, though I enjoyed working at the post office. And if Mark can say I should come tomorrow, I will come provided the conditions are, 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 are improved. As I'm speaking to you, Sakina and Mark, the last claim that I put in for my car, whatever, till I resigned last year, March, I think so, I never got it, even as we speak. I made follow-up with my supervisor. There was never, never a response. As for sleeping out, because, uh, I mean, if I'm in Kwakwa, I'm going to Pochostrom, I'll have to sleep over for about two, three days. There was no provision just for one call, if they could say for a minute to phone your children and ask whether they slept well. That was my problem. Getting there, I, mm. would, uh, I, I would travel, you know, out of waiting hours. That was not uh, the, the problem of the post office. To me, it was, you know, I'm a responsible person. Let's say I'm in Guaco, I go to Velcom. Okay. Um, Mamuyuti, I'm going to have to push you here because, uh, you know, we are getting up to the top of the hour. Thank you very much, Sakina. Mark, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, Mark, let's just respond to that. Yeah, it's a hard soft story, man. It's wrong. You know, that uh, we've got a wonderful human being like that uh, wanting to service our community and we can't uh, do fair economic, uh, you know, transactions with her. I'm embarrassed about it, you know. That's all I can say. You know, and come back. Are those and, some of the uh, issues that you are me. rectifying, though, at the moment? Yeah, the policies yeah, yeah. Listen, that you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's insane that we can't do a fair economic contract. But I can tell you, there are some wonderful stories along that same line. People have gone out of their way. People, good people, and we've got many of them at the post office, have gone out of their way to go and find their own resources to help us out. We are we are extraordinarily grateful. However difficult that was. Those days are behind us. Okay? You will no longer have to go and use your own petrol or go and buy your own paper. But people were actually doing it. I mean, when I got to the post office, people were bringing their own toilet paper to work. Okay? Mm. That's, how, that's how bad it got. Those days are behind us, people. Uh, we are moving forward from there. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the human spirit that I've encountered at the post office through those difficult times are what's going to help me you know, mend the fabric of our confidence back to where it should be. So, uh, you know, sorry for the past. Come back. We've got a great future. Well, um, then, of course, we are going to have to uh, leave it there, Mark, because uh, so many people still coming through. Uh, but uh, just a few more comments to end it off with. Uh, this one from uh, DKH. Uh, will the post office reimburse our annual fee if they go on strike for six months in a year? Um, and many people feel that the post office should reimburse them for some of the trouble that they've had to go through. Uh, Jim Pasquale says, your guest is very inspiring. I do hope he gets rid of the bad decision makers that ruined the post office in the first place. And you did admit uh, that um, most of it was down to poor decisions at executive level. Mukone says, mm. um, we all know that the post office's problems were caused by technology. So uh, no one from their top officials saw this coming. Um, Flaws—our management must be open to initiative, uh, innovative ideas uh, to get the post office moving. And then, uh, Tuso, I wanted to know about your financial statements. Uh, when are you likely to start seeing profits at the post office? Okay, a couple of things. Um, uh, we are hoping to be profitable for the first time in about 2018. <clears throat> As we go into the year 2018, we're hoping that we'll start showing a monthly profit and uh, we'll build that up. 
Um, remind me some of the other the other points. Uh, they're getting too many. I think. That, well, uh, basically comments, and I think we'll repeat your um, email uh, address so yeah. people can take that up yeah. with you. You know, on no, that I level. I, I, I don't want to engage on the radio about whether we will refund things or prepay things. That's not an appropriate place to discuss these. I don't think we're going to seek to make financial reparations for the years gone by. Uh, we've, we've, we've settled. We settled our current obligations. Uh, we've settled with labour. Uh, we've got capital in the bank, and we're on a growth strategy. Which, if we are successful in re-getting the confidence of our people, will not require us to do any cost cutting. But if we do not get the revenue growth, we're going to have to back, go back into a cost cutting model. I hope that doesn't happen. Mark Barnes, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, South African Post Office CEO Anuko says, just in parting, uh, Mark has a lot of work to do in building confidence, but giving us his email address is a nice touch in building that confidence back. And that email address, uh, once again, it's mark, M-A-R-K dot Barnes at postoffice.co.za.